2: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we sit down with Barbara Lee. The Congress member from Oakland is running for the U.S. Senate to replace Dianne Feinstein, who is retiring. Lee's got deep name recognition in the Bay Area for her famous lone vote against invading Afghanistan after 9-11 and for her work representing the East Bay in the state legislature, where she drafted California's first Violence Against Women Act. If elected, Lee would be the only black woman in the Senate and third in its history. She joins us to talk about where she stands on the war in Ukraine, the economy and the environment, and to tell us why she wants to be California senator. What do you want to ask Representative Lee? Join us. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Congressmember Barbara Lee is running to be California's next senator, aiming to replace Diane Feinstein, who is not seeking another term. Lee casts the lone vote against authorizing the war in Afghanistan after 9-11 and serves on the powerful Appropriations Committee, the Budget Committee, and co-chairs the House Policy and Steering Committee, we will reflect on her long record and hear what she thinks distinguishes her from her main Democratic rivals, Adam Schiff and Katie Porter, Oakland and East Bay Congress member for 13 terms. Barbara Lee joins me now. Welcome to Forum. Happy to be with you. Good morning, Mina. Good morning, Representative Lee. So you have served in Congress for 25 years and you won your 13th term with 90% of the vote. So that is a lot of district support. You've got a lot of seniority in the House. So why are you running for
3: Senate? What would you accomplish there that you can't accomplish in the House? Well, I mean, at first, I think uh, we have to recognize that the Senate deserves a a progressive champion for California uh, who has had a history of delivering for people who has remained um, a progressive throughout these years and who can fight not only for our to protect our democracy, but also fight for people who have not been seen necessarily. People who live below the poverty line. We have now in California 20%, 20 million of the 40 million people who are one paycheck away from poverty. My experience uh, fighting for the middle class, fighting to lift people out of poverty, fighting for criminal justice reform, to protect our democracy, for reproductive freedom and reproductive justice. When you look at uh, my commitment and what I have done and the experience in the House, I want to be able to take this experience and take the lens that I have as an African-American woman with this experience who has worked with Republicans and Democrats to deliver for the people in my district and for Californians and for the country.
2: You are well known for being progressive. You're also very well known for being opposed to so-called forever wars. And as I mentioned, you famously were the only lawmaker to vote against invading Afghanistan after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. The only one and the incredible and excruciating decision that must have been for you. Yet you do support the U.S.'s involvement in Ukraine. A- and I want to know why, how you distinguish that as a situation where war is justified, or U.S. involvement well, sure. is justified.
3: With regard to um, Afghanistan, right after the horrific events of 9-11, the Bush administration came forward with a proposal, an authorization to use military force. It was 60 words. It was overly broad. And what it basically said was the uh, president has the authorization to go to war forever wherever, and it gave the Congress's constitutional responsibilities over to then-President Bush, but subsequently to any president. That's wrong. That's unconstitutional. The Constitution requires members of Congress to decide whether or not the administration, any administration, should go to war or not. You just don't give over Congress's responsibility because that's the people's voice. And secondly, that uh, authorization had no end. It was a blank check. Now, my dad, who was a military officer, had retired here at the Presidio, called me. He was the first one. Proud soldier, served in World War II uh, and Korea uh, and he was a military officer, and he said that was the right vote, Barbara. You do not give away Congress's authority when you're making decisions to send our brave troops into war. And in fact, fast forward to now, today, I have, then I was the only one. But believe you me, now uh, Republicans and Democrats are supporting my efforts to repeal that authorization and the Iraq authorization. And so it took a while to build. (laughs) But with the public weighing in over the years, finally, Democrats and Republicans and the Biden administration, of course, were working to uh, get that the Iraq authorization, at least off of the books. So, with regard to uh, Ukraine, yes, I support the Ukrainian people, and I have first bi- visited Ukraine. Uh, I know the neighborhood. I serve on the and was the chair of the Appropriations Subcommittee on State and Foreign Operations. So, my subcommittee, uh, when we were in the majority, funded a lot of the humanitarian assistance, the development and diplomacy assistance. Uh, The people of Ukraine, as I said, I visited Ukraine, Georgia, uh, Lithuania, Poland. I was in Poland last year, and I know the the issues, and I know how how the Ukrainian people are fighting to preserve their democracy. And when you have uh, a dictator such as Putin uh, invade a country trying to topple their democracy, killing civilians and and with no with impunity the united states has to do something we have to defend the ukrainian people and so yes i support making sure the United States stays on the right side of history and defends the Ukrainian people. This uh, and if the president and the Bush, the Biden administration knows that there are some lines that you should not cross. I was against and spoke out against the decision to use cluster bombs. I have again the uh, restrictions on the use of cluster bombs came through the committee that I chaired. And everyone agreed, Republicans and Democrats, that we should not use cluster bombs. But there was a waiver for uh, national security reasons to use the Foreign Assistance Act And so that's what happened. But I think that with regard to Ukraine, there's some lines I don't believe we can cross. And the president and this administration, I think, has been very uh, supportive and and very clear that they're not going to get directly involved in Ukraine, that we're not going to send troops and that we're not going to cross that line. And having said that, We have written, I have written saying, if you make a different decision that the United States is going to engage with with troops and engage with Russia as it relates to Ukraine, you have got to come. And this is the issue. You must come to Congress for an authorization. Uh, They have not come to Congress for an authorization because we still have not, thank goodness, engaged directly um, with Russia. But I'm on the side of justice for the uh, the Ukrainian people. We know that this is Putin's move to erode uh, democratic nations and, and democracies, not only in uh, Ukraine, but in Eastern Europe. And in fact, it's not disconnected from what is taking place here in this country with Donald Trump and his, his um, positive attitudes and support for Putin. And we know how he has tampered with our democracy and wants to see our democracy eroded Hmm. uh, and move more toward an autocratic country. So we have to be supportive of the Ukrainian people. And of course, we want this war to end and we want uh, diplomacy to to work. And we have to be on the side, though, of of the Ukrainian people in, in the defense of what they are trying to protect in terms of their country.
2: We are talking with Congressmember Barbara Lee, and you, our listeners, are invited to join the conversation. What do you want to see in California's next senator? What do you want to ask Congressmember Barbara Lee, who is running for Diane Feinstein's email forum at kqed.org? Find us on our social channels at KQED Forum. Call us, 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. The administration has supplied cluster bombs anyway, and we know that they are— they are very dangerous. They scatter. They can be found decades after they are detonated if some of them do not. You went on record along with your rivals, Adam Schiff and Katie Porter, in opposing President Biden's plans to supply cluster bombs. So there's this question from Michael who writes, aren't we better off keeping Lee seniority in the House and sending Katie Porter, who would have tough election fights, keeping her conservative district To the Senate, Porter has values similar to Lee, and because she's younger, could serve a lot longer. There are a couple of things there that I just want to tease out. One Mm -hmm. is that it is the stat that you, Katie Porter, Adam Schiff, vote the same way 94% of the time means that uh, it's hard to determine what distinguishes the three of you. The other piece of that that I do want to note is that Both Adam Schiff and Katie Porter also have a very significant fundraising advantage over you right now, and there's some speculation they have a much stronger name recognition advantage over you as well. For example, there was a stat in the Public Policy Institute of California survey that finds 6% of voters in the Inland Empire support you as opposed to 16% for Porter, for example, in that area. So how are you going to make the case for you Build the name recognition that you need in other parts of the state and fundraise
3: off of that. Sure. And I think what uh, people are recognizing is that experience matters, first of all, in this very difficult moment of our country. And my experience as someone who has been able to deliver two people, four people, what the needs are, my ability to negotiate, to legislate, to appropriate, and bring in a lens that is not in the Senate uh, of an African-American woman, where, of course, there are none. But my experience as a an African American woman being able to see people who have lived, for example, below the poverty line. I was on public assistance, food stamps, raised my kids where they had to, because I couldn't afford childcare. Childcare is a big thing. And I've been fighting to make the child uh, tax credit permanent. And so the issues that I have been working on and champion uh, are issues that. Uh, the Senate needs and distinguishes me from my opponents. Uh, secondly, when you look at um, the ability to deliver right away, hit the ground running, uh, the experience again that I bring uh, is what California needs. And yes, it costs money to run a campaign, but let me a tell you, the polls, like this, uh, yeah. one of the polls, the public polls show that I'm at thirteen uh, percent. Katie Porter is at sixteen percent. And, and this is a California poll, not the Emerson poll. And uh, Adam Schiff is at, Katie's at 90, 19%, Adam Schiff is at 16%. It's yes. neck and neck. It's neck and neck. And money matters. Yes, we're going to raise the money. I have raised money in the past for other candidates, for women, for women of color. I know how to raise money. But the barriers... The systemic barriers are there. We have to get to public financing of campaigns. So as a black woman, I face these barriers. But you know what? The polls also showed that there's so many people, 35 to 40% undecided. And when they get to know me, when they know my history, when they know I see them, when they know I'm fighting for them and will fight for them and for our future. This campaign is not about myself. It's about the future for future generations and bringing my experience to the Senate. Then those... Undecideds, they come my way, the majority of them. And they come my way because, and let me tell you, finally, Gen Zs. Young people, the polls show 40 and under, uh, 39 and under. Young people are so involved in my campaign because they know I care about the climate and the planet. And they have looked at my record over the years, and they have uh, decided that uh, they can trust me. And and young people have been working in my campaign. They're helping me. More after this the break with Barbara Lee. Campaign. Sorry to
0: interrupt you there. Mm-hmm.
2: This is Forum.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
2: You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with Barbara Lee, U.S. Congress member representing the East Bay, Oakland, Berkeley, Alameda, and Emeryville. She's running to be California's next senator, and you, our listeners, have a chance to ask Barbara Lee your questions about her record, what she would accomplish as senator, what qualities you would like to see in California's next senator. Tell us that by emailing forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram threads. We're at KQED Forum. Call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. John writes, when I lived in Oakland in the early 2000s, I found that Congressmember Lee was by far the best representative I've ever had in the 45-plus years I've been a U.S. voter. I always felt she was voting her conscience, and I never knew her conscience to lead her astray. Best of luck, Congressmember Lee." Another listener writes, Barbara Lee has been my congressperson since we moved to Oakland, and I support her 100 percent. My question for her is, what will be your approach to working with the hardline right-wing Republicans in the Senate?
3: I have worked with hardline Republicans, actually, since I was in the California legislature. I was in the California Assembly and Senate, and uh, then we had a governor, Pete Wilson, and he signed uh, over 60 567 of my bills into law. He signed my bill, uh, the Violence Against Women Act. He signed my bill fighting for the LGBTQ plus community, the Hate Crimes Reduction Act. I have a history of working with Republicans and across um, party lines. When I went to Congress, for example, uh, the global AIDS pandemic was killing people everywhere in the world, specifically in Africa. I went to President Bush. I said, we've got to do something. I was the one who wrote the legislation. Uh, it's called PEPFAR, the President's Emergency Initiative to Combat HIV and AIDS, the Global Fund. We've saved millions of lives. That's because I worked with a very right-wing chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee, which I was on, Henry Hyde. I worked with Senator Frist. I worked with President Bush. Uh, and in fact, we've, again, saved over 25 million lives. Fast forward to today. I'm working with Chip Chick Roy, if you can believe that. Uh, some really mega extremist Republicans, and I disagree with them on everything. I mean, these are people who uh, want to see the government shut down. They want to topple our democracy, but they want us to repeal the authorization to use military force. They may have their own reasons, but I have 49 of them supported my uh repeal of the authorization of the Iraq War last year. So I'm working with them on on uh, the repeal of the authorizations to use military force. I co-chair the Cannabis Caucus, trying to make sure that uh, the federal government weighs in and deschedules marijuana. That's a criminal justice issue. I work with Republicans on that. I work with Republicans on trying to normalize uh, relations with with uh, Cuban countries around the world where we should have diplomatic at least talks. So I work with Republicans republicans uh where we can find common ground but i'm going to fight against their very uh draconian policies and there are many so you have to make decisions and that's why having myself in the senate is important i know when to fight and i know when to work to deliver for the american people and specifically for californians
2: let me go to caller john in oakland hi john you're on
1: good morning uh Congresswoman Lee, I have voted for you for as long as you've been on the ballot, and I love you dearly. Um, but I have a, a question that's come up. I'm 71, so uh, I understand confidence in, in our, uh, shall we say, later years, and your wisdom and your experience, which I love dearly. Uh, you've always spoken for me. But how do you respond to the people who look at Diane Feinstein in her 90s? and say, we need somebody younger, and the fact that you're 76 makes you, quote-unquote, too old to run for the Mm -hmm. Senate at this point. And I say that as a friend and a voter for you for all this time, and I would love to have you in the Senate.
2: John, thanks for the question. Congressman really, your age has come up. If elected, you would be 78 on your first day in office. I mean, as John notes, the L.A. Times, I think, ran an online headline straight up asking is Rep. Barbara Lee too old to replace Senator Dianne Feinstein? So what is your response to concerns about Yeah, and about uh,
3: that's no secret my age. I've been in public service for quite a while, and I think my experience uh, is a factor. What I bring to the United States Senate to fill in the gaps of where no one has been able to fill in, when you look at the fact that I have fought to lift people out of poverty fought to make sure the middle class uh, that we grow the middle class. When you look at the legislation I've been able to pass, when you look at all of the issues that I have championed and what the Senate needs, when, if the LA times article, you know, some call it a hit piece because when you look at the end of the article, they talk, it talks about when people find out who I am and get to know me and my history and what, what the Senate needs then they uh, certainly support me and experience matters. And at this point in our history, in this country, we need somebody who can fight to protect our democratic rights, fight for uh People to make sure that we have the ability to make our own health care decisions in terms of reproductive justice. I co chair the Pro Choice Caucus. When you need, uh, when the Senate needs someone uh, with a lens such as I have, have as an African American woman, and let me just say, since 1789, there have only been two black women, Senator Carol Moseley Braun and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, serving a total of 10 years. Ten years. Yeah. And so that perspective, that lens, I think that call that means something in this campaign. I think it really is a qualifier and it means a heck of a lot. And people when they read that LA Times article and when you look at the polls once people understand who I am and what I've done and what I intend to do, then they support me. And so uh, thank you for the question. It's not a question that um, in, that I dodge. It's a question that I really am pleased to be able to answer because I have the energy, the, the experience, uh, the ability to take what I know and how I can fight for Californians into the United States Senate and fill those gaps that are so desperately needed to be filled.
2: And the lived experience, as you say, which certainly matters. But just as a practical question, with power and influence in the Senate often being a product of longevity and seniority, what is your argument to voters for why you should be California senator if you are likely to serve one or two terms at
3: most? Well... My argument to voters is we need some a progressive champion right now in the Senate. Uh, we need somebody who has young people uh, who uh, I am working with who have given me their ideas and their legislative ideas, such as uh, high schoolers.
2: Yes, but will you be able to to put that forward and wield that influence without, say, maybe the powerful committee positions that often go
3: to people who have been in the Senate for decades. But you know what? Uh, I mean, being one of 100 is a lot of power. Being one of 100 with the experience that I have had, with the ability to not only legislate and negotiate and appropriate, but being able to galvanize people in this country, being able to say, "Wait a minute," uh, and and to work with organizations around the country, uh, I believe in in democracy, and I believe a member of the Senate, uh, the way you, in uh, the filibuster, for example, which I I believe we must do, you have to work with with people and organizations, and and I have that ability, and so being one of one hundred. Uh, for a Barbara Lee is a little different than being one of one hundred. If it's if it's someone else, and so my uh, skill set and my ability to bring people out, uh, my ability to use the leverage of people, uh, our organizations, people power is a very unique uh, place to be in the Senate, and it it really will help change this country.
2: Let me go to Claire in Walnut Creek. Hi, Claire. You're on.
3: Hey, thanks. I. In fact,
5: that's my main point. I want to thank you, Rep Lee. I'm getting a little choked up. (sighs) Okay. I want to thank you so much for all your work. I want to thank you for being in this campaign. Um, And I want to thank KQED, Nina, um, for presenting this opportunity for people to actually get to know Rep Lee. Her experience in foreign policy is important right now, really important right now. And I think, for me, um, she's got that, and that's a unique quality, in addition to that we need a progressive voice in the Senate. And um, I'm just irritated with the age thing, because <laughs> it's experience. But I am highly irritated with the age thing. Um, but anyway, yeah, experience is what we need right now. We, we've we got, you're sitting in a, in a house that, okay, I should stop. Uh, you're sitting in a house that has literally almost no experience. Anyway, well, thank you so much for all your work and keep strong. <laughs> thank, oh, Claire, you.
2: <laughs> thank you for the call. Uh, let me go to Tim in Los Angeles. Hi, Tim. Join us.
5: Hi.
1: Good morning, Mina, and good morning, Congresswoman Lee. I have a very, Uh, maybe off-topic or a very strange question, but it's one I'd like to ask because I've been working on this uh, uh, within the last few years. Um, I would just like uh, uh, Mrs. Lee's opinion. um, I'm sorry, is it Miss or Mrs.? Barbara Lee. (laughs) Barbara Lee. Okay, Barbara. I'll just go with Barbara. Um, I am just curious, would you support a bill that would... um, that would take away personhood and citizenship from corporations. And this was, uh, without getting into too much, uh, corporations are considered people. They're considered humans inside the United States um, of America. The only thing that corporations are not allowed to do is to vote. That's it. But they can petition the government. They can use lobbyists. They can uh, also contribute to campaigns in large amounts. So, uh, And also, there are two tax codes, even though they're considered people. We have corporate tax code and then tax code for everyone else. If we took away their citizenship and their personhood, that would eliminate everything I just talked about. Would you be willing to support a bill to take away citizenship and personhood from corporations?
3: Tim, thanks. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Tim, I I have uh, called for overturning Citizens United over and over and over again early, uh, early on. And I think that uh, you're right. We need to uh, do uh, everything we can to make sure that corporations are not uh, afforded personhood, uh, because that's part of the corrupting nature of of politics. Dark money, uh, money that's not disclosed. We have to get money out of politics. Again, I support public financing of campaigns, but uh, overturning Citizens United is extremely important, and I would support any legislation uh, toward that end.
2: Well, this is Aaron, tweets, what specifically would Barbara Lee do to get basic social policies like universal health care and paid family leave for America like the rest of the developed world has?
3: When I was in the California legislature, I was the first member to introduce legislation calling for a single payer, first of all. Secondly, I support Medicare for all. Thirdly, I believe health care uh, is a human right and should not be driven by profits, motives. Uh, it should not be an industry. I uh, am the lead author of the Health Equity Act uh, that has been presented by the Tricaucus, the Black, Hispanic and Uh, Asian Pacific American Caucus for the last 20 years calling for health equity. You know, there are many health disparities with regard to people of color. And so that's part of our overall effort for universal health care is to make sure that uh, health access and quality health care is accessible for everyone. I fought for a public option when the Affordable Care Act was uh, passed and uh, met with President uh, Obama we formed a quad caucus then and we we insisted on a public health option, but we couldn't get the votes. But we did a, We were able to write into the Affordable Care Act provisions for states. If they decided, if states decided uh, they wanted to move toward a public auction or a single payer, then they had that option with regard to the Affordable Care Act. I've worked in the health care space for many, many years. I was on the health committee in the California legislature and now on the uh, health subcommittee of the Appropriations Committee. And I have fought specifically, um, we saw the disparities in healthcare during COVID with regard to communities of color. It was my legislation and my efforts to target resources uh, for underrepresented and marginalized communities, which were being disproportionately impacted by the uh, COVID pandemic. Bottom line is I support universal accessible health care for all, and I believe in Medicare for all, and I think this country must get the profit motive and the uh, industry perspective and framework out of the health care system.
2: Would you fight for a statute establishing the right to an abortion? I, I ask this because I'm thinking about Claire's comment about getting to know you, and you have talked about how you had to seek an abortion in Mexico when it was illegal in the 1960s and how that informs your your politics and your positions on the things that you fight for. Would you fight for a statute establishing that as a senator?
3: You know, Mina, I am the co-chair of the Pro-Choice Caucus, and I have been for years. And another reason why uh, I want to be in the Senate to fight for people because I and I know I'm one of the few members of Congress, House or Senate, who talked about what the world was like before Roe. And it was a very difficult decision talking about going to uh, Mexico and uh, through Juarez and having an abortion. But after the Texas restrictive laws came down, I felt it was my duty and responsibility to come forward and share my experience. Again, this was before Roe. It was a back alley. Uh, It was illegal. In Mexico, illegal in Texas, where I uh, flew to, it was a mother, my mother's friend, who took me over the border. It was illegal in California. Right now, these states are criminalizing providers and people who are seeking abortions. Then. For me personally, I was terrified that I'd be arrested. I was terrified that I could die. Then the the primary cause of death for African-American women was septic abortions. So, yes, I'm supporting the Women's Health Protection Act. I'm a co-sponsor of it. We need to put into federal law or codify into federal law the right to an abortion. That's, again, when you talk about protecting our democracy, this is about reproductive freedom. It's one of our freedoms, and it's the first constitutional freedom and right that has been taken away. And I want to take that perspective and that fight into the Senate, and also I've led to end the Hyde Amendment, which we must do.
2: Yes, you have sought to repeal the Hyde Amendment, which, just to remind listeners, bans using federal money, federal Medicaid to cover almost all abortions. You have wielded a lot of influence in keeping the Hyde Amendment at bay out of appropriations bills recently. Mm -hmm. People
3: worry about losing that influence in the
2: House.
3: Uh, Yeah. But I want to be in the Senate because I think that influence being one of 100 is going to be much more effective. And people need to really recognize the differences. And I think people do between the House and the Senate. And yes, after uh, many years of fighting in the House for all of the issues that I have fought with, for and been able to deliver, that experience is important. And that experience in the Senate that does not have the experience that a Barbara Lee has is extremely important for Californians.
2: Well, Nalaini writes, Barbara Lee's experience alone gives her a view of people of all walks of life. She always talks very much to the issues and does not use rhetoric too much. I think her personality is very well suited to work across the aisle compared to the two other candidates for the Senate. Beth writes, gotta admit, listening to Barbara Lee, I am struck on how sensible she sounds, since most of what I had heard was how far left she was living here in the Sierras. I know whoever gets elected to replace Feinstein will have to represent all Californians. We are talking with Representative Barbara Lee. What questions do you have for the Congress member about her record, what she would accomplish as senator? What qualities would you like to see in California's next senator? Email forum at kqed.org. Find us on social media. We're at KQED Forum. Call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. We'll have more after the break. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking this hour with Congresswoman Barbara Lee, who's running to be California's next U.S. Senator, replacing Dianne Feinstein, who is retiring. This is your chance, listeners, to ask Barbara Lee questions or to share what you would like to see in California's next Senator at 866-733-6786 by emailing forum at kqed.org or finding us at KQED Forum on our social channels. Let me go to Mary Claire in Alameda. Hi, Mary Claire. You're on.
5: Yes. Hello. I uh, wanted to ask about the recent CDC report said that black women were three times more likely to die from pregnancy related issues than white mothers. And I'd like to ask the congressman to speak to that and also the experience of her own mother with racism when Barbara Lee herself was born. Uh, And you've already spoken a little bit about the health issues and the Dodds decision and all that. Um, but I'd like to hear what you what we can do to improve mm-hmm. the maternal health for all women and also to help heal some of these racial
3: divides. All thank right. you.
2: Mary Claire, thank you.
3: Sure. You know, it is so important for the public to understand that uh, this is directly related to uh, systemic racism in the health care system, which we have to address as part of our move toward universal health care. Uh, Here in 2023, we have black women dying three times more than white women. Uh, Now, let me just uh, mention quickly the story of my birth. I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. My mother needed a C-section. The hospital would not allow her in because she was black. And my mother uh, barely survived this. She finally got in because of reasons that are too long to go into. But they left her on a gurney in the hall. And uh, she became unconscious and someone saw her, took her into the delivery room and they did not know what to do. This was like much later uh, and they could not do the C-section. And what happened is when they took her in, they took her into the emergency room, not even the delivery room, because she was um, dying. And they decided, the medical staff decided the only thing they could do was to deliver this baby using forceps, pulling her out, and that baby was me. Now, here we are in 2023, still dealing with the same, many of the same circumstances as my mother had to deal with when I was born. In fact, uh, this is part of the reasons why I'm so passionate about healthcare and women's health and justice, because my mother almost died in childbirth, and I almost didn't get here into this world. And so I am very involved with uh, the Mama Caucus, in Congress, we have legislation and we're working with the vice president's office on how we not only reduce the systemic issues and barriers for black women in health care, but what we can do in terms of uh, care, uh, prenatal care, what uh, the expansion of, of uh, doulas and access to um, midwifery services, and especially with rural women. And what this means is because what we found is that African American women, regardless of their income, they are not provided the equal type of healthcare that they need as it relates to prenatal care, during pregnancy and then after care also. And so we have legislation. And again, being on the committee that funds health care, I have funded a variety of efforts to make sure that uh, we have as a policy, a, a national federal policy, that we're going to uh, stop these uh, horrific policies that are sometimes hidden that allow for black women to die three times that of white women.
2: Well, Mary Claire, again, thanks for the question. Let me go next to Beverly in Berkeley. Hi, Beverly, you're on.
6: Hi. Um, I just have to say that I've, I've got some concerns in terms of, you know, the position. I I I was born and raised in, in Oakland and live in Berkeley. And my concern is that I haven't heard a lot on the national level in terms of what's, and I'm a woman of color, and I haven't heard a lot on the national level other than what happened during, you know, a 9-11 with voting against George Bush, I work in healthcare, and so it's more than just policy to look at uh, what's happening to us as women in terms of um, uh, women being pre, having preeclampsia and, and being misdiagnosed. There, it, it's it's a cultural attitude. There are policies, not just policies, but healthcare providers who don't have the diversity. And so, policy can change, but if you don't have providers that look like the women that are being treated by obstetricians, it's not going to change. And so my concern with you being in the Senate is that you're a bit soft in terms of what I've seen um, as a Californian and as a Northern Californian with a mother that was a serious activist that attempted to work with your office. So I'm just really concerned that riding on 9-11 is not enough. I need to see boots on the ground here in the Bay Area where we have a, a rampant problem with homelessness. So
2: that's just my take. Mm. Well, Mm -hmm. Beverly, thanks for sharing that. Beverly wants to see you more and doing. Can I comment just
3: uh, very quickly? uh, Writing on nine eleven, I'm I'm not quite sure what that means because I have brought resources into my district over and over and over again for community clinics. I brought millions of dollars in for boots on the ground, for trusted messengers during the COVID pandemic. I have brought resources in and fought to uh, make sure that all of our health care providers receive the federal funding that they deserve. I'm fighting now uh, to make sure that uh, health care is seen as a public as a right uh, and that the crisis is a public health crisis. And so while I work on policies, yes. Uh, I have delivered for my district and for California millions and millions and millions of dollars. And in fact, I have targeted resources for underrepresented communities and for providers, and have led on efforts for uh, training for uh, women and for people of color in the healthcare uh, field. And and my record is very clear uh, as a member of the Budget and Appropriations Committee. I have been doing this for many years and much of the federal money that has come into our district, not enough, but uh, I've been the one leading that effort.
2: It sounds like Beverly wants a real force in the Senate. And I want to ask you, do you feel like California is being well served right now by Dianne Feinstein? By the time you take the position, it would be 2025, January of 2025. Your campaign co-chair, Rokana has called for her to step down. Do you think California is being served well by Dianne Feinstein?
3: What I have said over and over again is I am running for this seat and I am praying the Senator Feinstein Health uh, gets better and better and she's back at work. And that's the human side of me. And people, I hope, understand that uh, that's what I'm very focused on. And she's at work. And in fact, we have to be concerned, yes, about her health and what she is able to do. But but for me personally, I have to stay focused on this campaign for the Senate. I'm raising money. We're putting our organization together. It's a people powered campaign. Uh, we're getting endorsements uh, all around the state. Uh, I'm so proud that I have the Working Family Party endorsement. Uh, many people in our revolution, people of color, uh, elected officials, assembly members, members of Congress. And and I'm sharing this because uh, this is important for me, that I be uh, the next senator from California. And that's my, where my focus is. And my day job, of course, is continuing to fight for resources and for making sure that my district gets the best possible representation that they can't have. And you're okay
2: if someone's at a point where they're being told to vote by staff, could not remember things they've said or conversations they've had, serving potentially for the next year and a half.
3: No, I didn't say I'm okay with that. I'm saying what my priorities are and what I'm focused on. And my priorities are on Barbara Lee for California, for Senate. In fact, uh, BarbaraLeeForCA.com if you want to know more about me or make a donation please feel free to do that and that's what I have to focus on uh, everything else will take care of itself, but it doesn't need a Barbara Lee uh, involved in that. Uh, this is important to me in terms of this race, because I want to be California's next senator.
2: 866 733 is the number to call if you want to talk with Congressmember Barbara Lee. The email address forum at kqed.org. Our social channels are on Facebook, Instagram. Threads at KQED Forum. Well, Diane writes, I have been a Barbara Lee speaks for me person forever. I love her and I'm proud of her ever-present courage. I was somewhat confused when she announced her candidacy for Senate. Katie Porter is also a progressive candidate, and despite a short time serving in the House, has made a pronounced mark. Why should we vote for Barbara instead of Katie? How do her positions differ? Maybe you could point to one or two things that you want to really point to that distinguish you from Katie Porter so that Diane can make an informed
3: choice. I think, again, looking at voting records, you know, you can compare our voting records. We disagreed on some issues, some issues we haven't disagreed on. I think all three of us have very uh, similar voting records. But what, what's important is to look at the perspective, my lived experiences, the lens that I bring, the work that I have done, being able to deliver for Californians and for my district specifically, I support uh, one difference is I support federally directed resources into my district. And I know uh, Congresswoman Porter does. And those are called earmarks. Uh, and it's important that I not le- neglect my district by saying I am not going to uh, through Congress Say these community groups that provide services and jobs are worthy of their tax dollars being brought back into their community. I believe that that's important for a representative to stand for and to provide. I believe turning my back on um, federally directed money, resources, community projects is a dereliction of my duty. Other members see it differently. I know uh, Congresswoman Porter does not believe in earmarks, but I do. I have a district in California has many people who are desperate for jobs, who are desperate for services. And and earmarks bring that into our community. And they're transparent. Uh, I've brought for money for housing, affordable housing for homeless Programs and making sure our unsheltered people have a path into a decent home for health care centers, for schools, for violence prevention efforts you name it. And I believe it's very important for a member of the Senate uh, to be able to say, Yes, I am proud to be able to say I'm delivering federal dollars to my district because they've worked really hard. Their tax dollars deserve to be brought home. And I know that. Uh, uh, I know Congresswoman Porter does not believe that. So that's a difference. Uh, And I hope people understand that uh, for me personally, that's a very important difference because I'm fighting for them and I'm fighting for their tax dollars. And I'm fighting to fill a lot of these gaps that have been caused by neglecting uh, communities that uh, deserve jobs and deserve services from our federal government.
2: This listener writes, I love Barbara Lee, but isn't her experience needed more in the house? The house has so many neophytes, including the MAGA gang, and your experience and guidance seems to be needed there more. Rick writes: I've been proud for years to be able to tell people I live in Barbara Lee's district. In a way, this Senate race is win-win with three win-win-win with three excellent candidates, and I feel torn as if I'm being asked, "Which of your children do you love most?" Katie Porter is powerful and enjoyable in her role in the House. Adam Schiff is bright and energetic and a valuable voice in the House. I hope they will still be there after the 2024 election, and more others like them. Overall, I pick Barbara Lee. I look forward to having a senator with her background, experience, and skills. Let me remind listeners, you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. And let me go to Emma in Oakland. Hi, Emma. Go ahead.
6: Hi. Um, I voted for Barbara Lee. I love her. I'm. Cons- we have an embarrassment of riches of candidates in California. It's a good thing. But I'm wondering about an overall strategy for the state. Because if we lose Katie Porter in or Orange County or Barbara Lee up here and we also lose Adam Schiff because he's been gerrymandered, is that going to be a problem? I just I, I'm more concerned about the entire state strategy.
2: You mean with regard to the House, them not being in the House after the election? Yeah, yes. I see. Yeah, this is really coming up a lot, uh, Congressmember Lee, in terms of just just some concerns about the House really needing you. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: We will have uh, especially from my district, uh, a, a strong Democrat, whomever is elected for my district uh, into in the House. Uh, secondly, I've been really proud of the fact that um, the newer younger members have endorsed me uh, for the Senate because they need know that they need a voice in the Senate who understands the issues of inequality. And affordability and the crisis that we have in uh, child care, for example, and members uh, of the California of the House, uh, the younger members, the newer members have rallied around me on so many issues and I have helped charter their agenda because many of them uh, look at me and they call me, you know, the OG. And that is not original genius, but original gangster because of my experience. And they need that experience also in the Senate. And so one of the reasons why they've endorsed me is because I have been such a great mentor to them and I have helped them. Let me tell you, I have raised money, a lot of money for them to so that they can win. And, uh, Having me in the Senate is is something that they really uh, are supportive of and that I want to do, because I think I can take that mentorship and that spirit of our progressive politics and the experience. And again, the lens of an African-American woman that is not in the Senate there to the United States Senate and, and being one of 100 is a very powerful place to be. And, and coming from Oakland, California and the East Bay. I mean, how how good can it get?
2: Susan writes, I would like to see these problems addressed by Barbara Lee. Citizens United hiring more IRS agents to collect fair taxes and raising the cap on taxable income for Social Security taxes. Greg writes, what is Congresswoman Lee's opinion on term limits for members of Congress to eliminate influence from lobbyists and to ensure less time is spent fundraising and
3: campaigning? Term limits... Uh for elected officials run counter to our democracy and democratic values i believe that people have the right to elect who they want uh, until they don't want to elect that individual marjorie taylor green lauren bobear mar uh, you know marjorie taylor green excuse me bobear all of them chip roy their their constituents elected them i totally disagree with them on every policy but that's how democracy works. But when it comes to the Supreme Court, when it comes to appointed officials, yes, we should have term limits. I support term limits for uh, the Supreme Court justices. The Supreme Court has become influenced by corporate and the corporate sector and corporations. They become corrupt in many respects. And when you have appointed officials for lifetime appointments, For me, that's something that's very wrong. The world has changed. We need to have uh, term limits for uh, Supreme Court justices, but not for elected officials, because people, regardless of their political points of views, should be able to rally around and vote for who they want to vote for without any barriers or without any restrictions.
2: Anthony writes, what would Barbara Lee do as Senator to reform the Federal Bureau of Prisons to end its blatant corruption and horrific abuse of inmates?
3: the federal bureau of prisons need they need to be investigated more we need to provide more resources for investigations and we need to look at the uh the population in terms of who is hired at federal prisons what their backgrounds are and are they really um upholding the law without being Corrupt and without being uh, brutally, uh, in terms of how they treat prisoners. I, I, you know, prisoners are prisoners, inmates are inmates, but they deserve to be treated as human beings. And a lot of the corruption that takes place in federal prisons uh, have to do with the the mistreatment, I think, of, of inmates. And so they, we need a full investigation and we need a, to overhaul the entire uh, system.
2: A broad range of issues that our mm-hmm. listeners care about. And I appreciate you coming in today. Congressmember Lee to answer their questions and to tell us why you want to be California Senator. Thank you so much.
3: Nice being with you. It's nice to be home.
2: Thank you, listeners. And thank you, Susie Britton, for producing today's segment. This hour form is also produced by Caroline Smith, Grace Wan, and Lakshmi Sara. Marlena Jackson Rotondo is our engagement producer. Francesca Fenzi is our digital community producer. And Susie Britton's actually our lead producer. Engineers are Danny Bringer and Brendan Willard. Our interns are Jericho Reininger and Emiko Oda. Our vice president of news is Ethan toven Lindsay, And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I am Mina Kim. Thanks for listening to Forum and have a great weekend.